0: Did everyone have enough time to mingle? Was that good? Is that enough? I never know when to come up on stage, because usually when I come up on stage, everyone goes, What's he going to say? What's happening? Uh, So, uh, I'm James. If you don't know, I work with the youth here. And uh, a couple just quick announcements about the youth. We're actually going to summer camp tomorrow, Uh, so it's been a very busy week. Uh, I would greatly appreciate it if you guys would be praying for this summer camp that you would be praying that, that students would get uh, a connection with God, a closer connection with God, uh, that students would get a closer connection with each other and a connection with leaders so that when they come back, they will have these things that they learn at summer camp and continue them into daily life. Also, uh, be praying that no one gets too badly injured. <laughs> you know, you, you, put, you put 30 students, 40 students at a lake for a week, Someone's going to get bruised, someone's going to get scraped. It's just inevitable. But just be praying that we don't have to go to the hospital because you go to summer camp and then you go to the hospital. It's just not a good combination. Uh, Also, Aaron says that last night for dinner they made goat stew. Uh, Tongue and all. I imagine anything that could be edible on a goat was in that stew. But he doesn't say hi. He just says, tell them I ate goat stew. So you can take that up with him when he gets back. All righty. That's it. That's all for my announcement. So will you guys stand with me for the reading of God's word? This is Psalms 62.1. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. You guys pray with me. Uh, God, I pray that that we would be a people who find salvation in you and in you alone. Uh, That we wouldn't even look for salvation in other things, God. That we wouldn't look for salvation in our friends or in our family and our spouses, God, or, or in the things that our money can buy. But we would look and find salvation only in you because you are the only one who brings salvation to us. God, I pray that you would... That you would be here today, and that we would walk out of these doors knowing a little bit more about you, and, and a little bit more about ourselves, and it's in just name, amen, all righty, so, you know, uh, of, almost of course, the week that I get to teach on Esther is the week that the mood of Esther takes a total shift, uh, before it was talking about all these, like, it was like a very nice tone to it, you know, you got to make jokes about the harem, and and how King Zurich King Xerxes was this uber-pimp guy and he had this huge harem and this huge castle. got to talk about, you know, parties for weeks and months on end. And when I get to talk, it's all about mourning and fasting. So you guys are in for a huge treat. Uh, Not only that, we're in Esther chapter 4. So if you brought your Bible, turn to Esther chapter 4. Now, if you were paying very close attention last week and are paying close attention this week, You're going to go, wait a second, James. We talked about chapter two last week. Where is chapter three? It's in Haiti. Uh, (laughs) Yes. Aaron said in his email update that I would give some kind of good excuse of why we're skipping chapter three. Aaron wants to talk on chapter three, and he's in Haiti, so we're skipping chapter three. He might come back and give you some kind of good excuse. That's just the truth, okay? truth but but this week uh actually i hope to have a lot of fun with this week because we get to look at esther and see how crazy esther is because oh man she's she's an interesting lady so let's 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 just get into it this is uh, esther chapter 4 verse 1 when mordecai learned of all that had been done he tore his clothes put on sackcloth and ashes and went into the city wailing loudly and bitterly he went as long he went as only as far as the king's gates, because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter. Now, I know it just feels like we skipped two episodes and lost and you have no idea what's going on and the bad guy's the good guy and the good guy's the bad guy and they're on the island, they're off the island. You're like, I thought they were in the tropics, where's the polar bear? I don't what happened? Stick with me. I'll I'll explain it all, hopefully, without ruining chapter 3 for you. So this is in chapter 3, verse 8. Haman said to King Xerxes, There is a certain people dispersed and scattered among the peoples in the providence of your kingdoms whose customs are different from those of all the other people and do not obey the king's laws. It is not in the king's best interest to tolerate them. If it pleases the king, let a decree be issued to destroy them. So, Haman, we've seen him before, he plots to kill the Jews. And he's a very kind of tricksy guy. And he's like, here, King, sign here. And he's like, all right, kill him, sure. Uh, And so Mordecai just found out, he just got a copy of this, that all of his friends are going to die, that his family is going to die, that he himself is going to die. And so he rips his clothes and puts on sackcloth covers himself in ashes, and walks through the streets, crying and wailing for God. I mean, this is a huge sign of depression. This isn't something that is just completely random. This was actually, uh, we'll talk about this a little bit more, but this isn't something that's just like, oh, that's, that's weird, that's never happened before. This happens quite a lot in the Old Testament. It's a sign of depression, and, and also this is a sign of disapproval. He walks through the streets crying out. I mean, when something happens in our government that that people don't like, they walk through their streets, through the streets of their town, and protest. This is very much the same way. And what do people do when they protest? Get more people. I don't know why, they just always get more people. So Esther 4, In every providence to which the edict and order of the king came, there was a great mourning among the Jews, with fasting and weeping and wailing. Many lay in sackcloth and ashes. You see, this fasting here, this fasting is a cry, a cry to God. If we look in Daniel, there's another instance of this, this uh, tearing of clothes and, and fasting. It's Daniel 9, 3. So I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and pension and fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. You see, these people are crying that God will send someone to save them. Um. Right in chapter 4, you will see the greatest connection or the closest reference to actually saying God in it. Uh, the rest of the, uh, the book it, it kind of warries from that. And actually, Esther never says God. But this is the closest thing because they are crying for salvation. And they know that salvation is only found in Him. You see, what I think is so cool about this is how they stop their lives to pray more how they put everything on hold, their daily routines, their meals. Everything gets put on hold so that they may have a better and deeper faith in times of hardship. Now today, since we're going over the whole chapter of four, you're going to get like three or four mini sermons, and then hopefully uh, we'll be able to tie it all together at the end. Uh, But what I like about this is how they long to spend time with God, how their lives depend on it. We saw at the first week of esther we saw how these people had a prayer for everything they woke up and they prayed they walked outside and they prayed everything they did they prayed and now in times of hardship it gets even more they skip meals they skip daily routines that they would normally do i mean this should be us in times of hardship skipping on tv you know, I was going over this, and I was thinking, you know, sometimes in times of hardship, I actually watch more TV because I don't want to think about it. Just like, I, I'm just done, I'm just done thinking about it. TV just gets my mind off of it. But skipping on TV, skipping on other activities during the day, maybe even once in a while, skipping a meal to make time for prayer. Because honestly, God's will is more important than that. And we need to be seeking that, especially in times of of hardship they do not look for salvation in their money they do not look for salvation in power they do not look for salvation in power by numbers because all of them together could be quite a force they look for salvation only in god because they understand that god is the only one who can and who will save them psalms 37 9 says the salvation of the righteous comes from the lord He is their stronghold in times of trouble. doesn't take a moving sermon or words from a friend or God performing a miracle for them to know that God will save them, for them to know that God is truly good. I mean, they're hurting in a way that they never have before. understand that their entire lives are going to be destroyed. And instead of getting together and causing a riot, they get together and pray and have faith that God will save them. I mean, do you think this is us? Do we look for salvation in God alone? And and, and when our lives get hard, do we go instantaneously to God? Or or do we kind of try and figure it out our own way? Do we have a faith that God will save us? that whatever junk that we've gotten ourselves into, he will make something beautiful come from that. You see, uh, I believe we like to think that we're like this. When people talk about it, we're like, oh yeah, I'm like that. Oh yeah, instantaneously, I go to God. But honestly, when push comes to shove, I think we're a little bit more like Esther. Esther needed a little bit more convincing in this. So Esther 4. uh, When Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her about Mordecai, She was in great distress. She sent clothes for him to put on instead of sackcloth, but he would not accept him. So she hears that Mordecai is in a state of deep depression, and so she tries to send him some clothes, and that doesn't help. Go figure, right? Uh, You know, I know some ladies, they like to use uh, shopping as a form of therapy, but I don't know very many guys you can bring out of a depression with shopping. And so Esther, I mean, it's a tale as old as time, really. It goes back very far. So Esther 5. It gets better what she does. The es- then Esther summoned uh, Hathak, one, cr- one of the king's eunuchs, assigned to attend her, and ordered him to find out what was troubling Mordecai and why. You see, now she sends someone to go find out what's wrong. She doesn't ask what's wrong first. She sends clothing first which he already has. I mean, honestly, here's how I picture it. Say you are in a state of depression. Something terrible happened in your life. And so you stay inside all day, you call in sick to work, and you wear your PJs all day. Never change out of your PJs because your PJs are just the most comfortable thing you own. So your friend calls you up a couple days later, and they're like, Hey, I heard you're really depressed. I heard you wouldn't get out of the house or take your PJs off and put some real clothes on. Why don't you go out with me tonight? And you're like, no, dude, I am legitimately upset and legitimately depressed right now. I don't want to take my PJs off. I don't want to go anywhere. And they're like, all right, all right. And so a couple days later, you get a package on your door and you're like, oh, okay. And it's new clothes. And your friend's like, here's some clothes. Let's go out tonight. You're like, clothes isn't the problem. I have clothes. I have a closet full of clothes that fit me better than the clothes you guessed my size on. <laughs> what the heck? Essentially, this is what she does. She doesn't get that he is outrageously depressed. Just so she sends him a gift to make him feel better. She doesn't send someone to care for him or to comfort him or anything like that. I mean, we kind of laugh at this, and I kind of poke jokes at this. But honestly, this is us. We try and buy people's happiness. We try and fix their problems without actually knowing what they are. Oh, man. That's my least favorite part of the morning, is taking a drink, the most awkward thing. Uh, (laughs) So uh, let's say, okay, let's say that, that your wife is, is sad, is in a deep depression. She just lost a very close friend of hers. And, and so she's, she's wearing her PJs, of course, and walking around the house, moping around, and, and, and you think, oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. A couple of weeks ago, she was bugging me to fix the leak in the roof. We have a small leak in the roof. I'll fix that, and then she'll feel better. So you go fix that, and you're like, Voila! You should feel better now. She's like, no, no, that doesn't help at all. That's not the problem. The, what are you even doing? It, at that time, when she is like that, that is a time where, where you guys need to be cuddling with her and talking with her and letting her express her feelings. And you ladies are going, yeah, yeah, tell my man to be more sensitive. <laughs> You're just as bad. I mean, ladies... You want to fix people, too, without getting to know what the actual problem is. You see, only after she sends the gift does she ask, what's wrong? If we were Mordecai, this would make us even more mad. The fact that our friends and our family don't really care about us. They don't want to take the time to get to know why we're depressed. They just want to fix us. You see, this is exactly the type of friend that we should not be. One who doesn't care what's going on, but just wants to fix it. See, we need to be people who take an interest and who take a legitimate care in other people's lives. Be there to comfort them. Be there to pray for each other. To be that shoulder to cry on. 1 Peter one twenty two says, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have a sincere love for your brothers... Love one another deeply from the heart. I mean, we need to be a people who love one another deeply at all times. And that needs to be our heart's desire. You see, we need to pray and love on each other. Because that's what Christ does for us. Because he is there for us. And we are called to model his example. Verse 6, Esther. So Hathak went to Mordecai in the open square of the city, in front of the king's gates. Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay in the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict for their annihilation, which had been published in Susa, to show to Esther and explain to her. He told him to urge her to go to the king's presence and beg and plead with him for her people. So Hathik goes back, responds to Esther what Mordecai said, how all the Jews are going to die by the end of the year. You guys don't know that yet, but there you go. Uh, And and how Mordecai thinks that Esther should go before the king and plead for mercy. And this is Esther's response. It's, It's genius, really. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, All the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that he be put to death. The only exception of this is for the king to extend the gold scepter to him and spare his life. But 30 days have passed since I was called to the king. So this is her response to to Mordecai, to his overall letters back and forth. Oh, you're depressed because your family's going to die. Not only your family, but all your friends and you. And you want me to talk to the king? Yeah, that's not gonna happen. It's pretty much impossible for anyone to go to the king, for you to go to the king and try and talk to him. And for me, a woman that he's laid with, I don't even stand a fighting chance. But you know, life here in the castle is really not that bad. You know, I I went to the spa today and yesterday. I pretty much live at the spa. Uh, I eat in five-star restaurants. I hang out with my girls. Uh, You know, I have to see this guy every once in a while, but he's not that bad. Hope you like the shirt I bought you. I mean, (laughs) honestly, this is what she is saying to him. And it's brutal. And so here's where it starts to get really good. Here's where Mordecai's like, I'm done with you. You are ridiculous. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows? but that you have come to a royal position for such a time as this. He goes, yeah, it's not fun to be me right now, but don't feel bad for me and my friends and the family that I have here because I know who you are and I know where you come from. You know, maybe you have forgotten that. Maybe that palace air has gone to your head. It's time you get your head out of the clouds and start to take this serious because when this comes into effect, you are also going to die. You know, you can keep quiet for a while, but your family's going to die, your friends are going to die, and someone's going to find out, and they're eventually going to get you. But think about why you were there, why God chose you to be in this place at this time. This is God's plan for you. If anyone stands a fighting chance to talk to the king, it's you you could be the person that leads the charge for your people now. You see, I love this response. I love what he says to her. He says, you are a little queen who has gotten too full of yourself, who's gotten too used to the castle, too arrogant and selfish and an all-around fool. Mordecai tells her, what's up? He doesn't sugarcoat it. He's not nice about it. He tells her the truth at point blank. I think that these are the kinds of people that we need in our lives. The kinds of people who will look at us square in the face and tell us the truth. These are the kinds of friends that we should surround ourselves with. Who are not scared of us or scared of our reactions or scared of our personality or our position at work. But someone who goes, this is the truth. This will help you live in a way and think in a way that is more biblical. What are you doing right now? And we go, oh man, that's good. This is what happens to Esther. Go and gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days or three nights. I and my maids will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king. And even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. I mean, right away, once she's hit with the truth, she goes, oh my gosh, I am being an idiot. What am I doing? What am I thinking? Mordecai I was being stupid. I'm sorry. You know, forgive me. Pray for me. I love it because you look at chapter 4, and you, the beginning of chapter 4, you look at a queen who is clueless to what's happening. And then you look at the last verse, and she is ready to die for this. Chapter 4 ends with essentially Esther preparing herself to get killed. You know, Esther is very much a person like us. She She is scared. She is scared to go before the king. She is scared to stand up for her people. She is scared of death. She's very much human. I mean, last week we saw that Esther lied to save her own skin. I mean, she's scared. But also, she steps out of that fear. You know, she's built this box for herself, this box that she's comfortable in. But she steps out of that box and she steps into faith, praying the whole time she faces her fears. And once she steps into faith, God takes that faith and does something amazing with it. I mean, we have built these boxes in our lives we've constructed for ourselves our own little comfort zones and let's be honest not much gets done in our comfort zone it's comfy it's warm and it's fuzzy but we do the same routine we say the same things and do the same thing day after day after day and consequently consequently we end up looking for comfort more than we look for jesus you know but once we step out of that comfort zone And we step into faith. God takes that faith and does something amazing with it. You guys are going to have to wait a couple weeks to see that. Because we've got to go to chapter 3 and then chapter 5. But you guys will see that. And you guys see in your lives how you step into faith and God transforms this. I mean, what is the challenge that God has put before you? Is it, is it raising your family in a way that pleases God? Is it working so you can support your wife and support your family? Is it going to school? Is it being a good mom? Is it, is it waiting for God to send you someone? Is it serving those around you? I mean, those are all areas in our life that God's called us to, and those are all areas in our life that will change from season to season. But, but one challenge that, that I think that we forget a lot that God has called us each to is to love one another deeply, truly and from the heart. I mean, Esther, she rises up to her challenge. And we as God's people need to be ready to rise up to ours. She does not push her responsibilities on someone else. She does not complain about it. But rather, she essentially goes to her church family and asks for support and ask for prayer. And she rises up. I mean, the question that I really want to leave you guys with is what is God calling you to do? And in what areas of your life do you need to step out of your comfort zone and rise up? Mordecai said this, and I think this sums it up very nice. He said, you could remain silent, You could do nothing, but perhaps you have been put in this situation for this very reason. What position has God put you in and why are you there? Are you ready to step out in faith to get out of your comfort zone that you have built for yourself? I mean, these comfort zones and this rising up, this is one of the reasons we come to communion every week. We come to communion and we say, this is where God's calling me to rise up. And this is where I have failed. This is where I need to rise up. God, I am sorry for the times that I did not. I am sorry for the times I looked for comfort instead of you. Help me. Give me faith. Give me strength. I am scared. This is hard. We come and we break that cracker, which represents his blood, or his body, and we dip it in the wine and the grape juice, which represents his blood. That's a symbolism of his forgiveness that he offers for us. The band's going to come up and they're going to they're play a few songs and we, when we sing of his encouragement and we sing of his power and we sing of his strength. We sing of His salvation because He is the only one who has the power to save. And He is the only one who can and will save us from our comfort zones. He is the only one who will empower us to rise up. Uh, there's high, there's uh, offering boxes in the side and in the back. and This is just the way we worship God through giving back to Him because He's given us so much. Also, uh, there's going to be elders and deacons in the back in this hallway right here and they're there to pray they're there to pray with you they want to talk to you they want to get to know you and they want to pray with you I mean you look how Esther goes pray for me have people fast for me even if these people don't know me have them praying for me because this is the area of my life that God is calling me to rise up to and I'm scared and I need prayer guys we we should be as a church family we should be here to support each other that includes prayer and then lastly we worship God through uh, fellowship and there's going to be some goodies and and drinks in the back and there will be people back there and, and get to know someone, talk to someone be encouraged by each other's stories each other's stories of rising up to the challenge where God has taken you God has taken the faith that you had and done something incredible with it. Be encouraged by that. And then go out and have a great rest of the Sunday. Alright, pray with me. God, we we thank you for offering your forgiveness. God, we thank you uh, for forgiving us when we fail to follow you. God, I pray that you would give us courage. That you would grant us faith so that we can rise up in a way. God, we know that you do not need us to further your kingdom, but you choose us to. And we thank you for that. Have us be those who take that calling seriously and who long to further your kingdom. God, help us not to be scared. Give us those friends who will be truthful with us and who will pray with us in times of hardship. God, we thank you for these things. And we thank you for an example like Esther that we can laugh at and then laugh at ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.